welcome to Edge of Plays podcast, podcast number five today. We thought in uh, this this podcast we'd look at what football can learn from other sports. This kind of connected to our last podcast, which was about new rules coming in uh, to play for the 2019-2020 season. So we thought we'd look at how other sports, that not just the rules, but the, the way they approach them, the way they're supported, ideas in the background, anything at all really, we think that'd be good in football, that could work. So quite speculative at times, but we'll see where that takes us. I'm joined as usual by James. Hello. And Monty. How you doing, Jack? You right? We've not got a fixed kind of structure to how we're going to go through this. We've all just kind of come to it with some ideas from watching other sports, as, as fans of other sports, really, um, and what we'd like to bring to it. So who would like to kick off on this one? Anyone got an idea I'd like to throw out there what football could learn from another sport? I'll kick us off with a sport, if that's okay. Um, you guys will know that my childhood was mainly in uh, motor racing before I got yeah. into football. Um, so from the ages of 8 to 18, I did motor racing as a sport. Um, so I'm obviously a, a huge fan of Formula 1. I love Formula 1. Um, <clears throat> whilst the season is not the most exciting at the moment, there have been a few flashpoints in Formula 1, especially um, around the steward inquiries that Formula 1 has. And mm-hmm. I was thinking of linking this to football and obviously we have the stewards inquiries in Formula 1 when an incident happens in a race and at the moment a very popular subject in football is VAR mm-hmm. um, and how we do in-game decisions uh, or how we can assist the referees with in-game decisions so it's just one I was going to throw at you uh, at the moment the stewards inquiries allow the race to happen you can't stop a race obviously in Formula 1 everyone stop everyone stop <laughs> when we make a decision you can't do that it's not the same as football but the, the guys out there driving uh, and the stewards will review an incident and then there will be a decision made and that could be a five-second stop-go uh, stop penalty in the pit lane. It could be a deduction of places at the end of the race. It could be a fine or imposing a, a drop of 10 places for the next Grand Prix after a race. Um, and it's just whether that kind of thing would, would work in football, whether we could have... I know we have panels that can look in football for the diving or or we've tried to introduce panels that look in football for diving or retrospective punishment for for players. But is this something that could actually be done whilst the game is going on? Right, okay. So how would that work? You mean mid-game? Yeah. So how would that work? Because they've got the VAR doing if it's a goal or a penalty or a red card, haven't they? Yeah. Would it be as well as that or instead of that? I don't think you can, can you? Because for the big flashpoints like that, you have to... It has to be done. You can't just, they can't be playing for another five minutes and then to say, stop, come back, it's a penalty over here. It was more the case of how could it work with panels? You know, could you introduce something which said it's been, that tackle five minutes ago has been reviewed, that player is going to be suspended for the next three games, but they still play on during that game. That's interesting, but that, that's sort of like the retrospective panels for diving mm. and uh, where you can be done for violent conduct, I suppose, yeah. isn't it? A little bit like that. It's, it's interesting that. How does that happen then? I imagine if you're driving in a Formula One race and you did something that was, you know, whatever, you should have a penalty for it. Yeah. Aren't you then, but you're still you're still influencing that race, aren't you? still slowing someone down or, yeah. you, you know, you're slowing someone down for five laps while you're still messing about in front of them or something. Yeah, so the recent one was there were two guys fighting for the front. <clears throat> at the at the front, one called Sebastian Vettel, who drives a Ferrari, another called Lewis Hamilton, who drives for Mercedes. Um, one went off the track and as he came back on, impeded the other. They carried on. Vettel finished first, Hamilton finished second, but in the race they actually said he came back on unfairly and they gave Sebastian Vettel a a five second penalty um, at the end of the race to be applied at the end of the race. He hears it, 
obviously with 20 laps to go and he's incensed he's talking to the pit lane you can hear that kind of thing going on but it gives them a chance to it gave him a chance to try and get five seconds away from Hamilton which he couldn't do at the end Um, but also other drivers are aware of what happens and it kind of changes tactics mid-game yeah so in terms of being a ban that you might get in future that probably doesn't need to be done within the 90 minutes I suppose because what's the rush kind of thing but yeah if it was like someone spat at someone, the referee hasn't seen it, but this panel have picked up on it. Yeah. And they've had to watch a load of replays. The game carries on. That person should have gone, but they didn't for whatever reason. So yeah, I suppose 20 minutes later, if the evidence is there, that panel could come and say, half time referee, that person's going to have to go. Yeah. Imagine Simbin. Imagine if we bring Simbin into the professional game. First off, there's an incident. People review it. Say, at the start of the second half, that player's going to be Simbin for 15 minutes. 10 minutes because we've done some bins before haven't we and they, yeah. they are getting used in the grassroots game so, so yeah I mean it's certainly it could be like an, an extra help to the VAR because the issue to VAR at the moment to me it seems is the length of time we have to stop for Yeah, I think it's, it's, there's a good idea in there isn't there but it stops the game so maybe there is it'd be mainly discipline I presume wouldn't it yeah it's one of those I suppose where it's never going to be perfect but would you rather have it better late than never yeah, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Where you could go, oh, well, that person should have been off the pitch 15 minutes ago, would have given us an advantage 15 minutes ago. But I suppose better late than never. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I do like the fact that it's done in race because it gives them the chance to adapt. If you tell someone at the end you've been docked five places or you've been docked five seconds, they might go the whole race thinking it's okay if I just stay one yeah. second ahead of them. If you tell them in race, they have a chance to say, right, I need to kick on here and... Yeah. Although, although with football, I suppose, the one thing you could look at is, I don't know why, why would, you wouldn't need to take that long for a decision, would you? In theory, there's so many cameras, a, a VAR referee yeah. really, on any incident, should be able to look at that 15, 20 seconds and just go, that's my decision. Like the, the idea that when you're looking at something for a minute, well, if you've got to look at it for a minute, it's not that clear, is it? No. Really, for me, if there's that, that much doubt where you're waiting 90 seconds, two minutes before you've made your decision, trying to get the fifth replay in, you're like, well wasn't really that clear and obvious then was it <clears throat> it's a good start though so we've got uh, an addition to VAR there with Formula 1 now because we've got quite a lot of sports to look through I'm going to throw one in there but can we try and start in the UK popular sports here before Monty takes us over the Atlantic <laughs> to, uh, to America because he's got some all, all sorts of stuff on America <laughs> he likes American things now um, but uh, one I thought would be good to start on uh, from my point of view would be futsal yeah. because futsal is so closely related to football but from doing the course recently it's got some brilliant ideas in it which could transfer across and a lot of teams use futsal to develop their footballers so I've written down a few uh, kick-ins instead of throw-ins is an interesting one they do that already with younger players um, in some areas but you can imagine I do think sometimes I know Throw-ins are almost messy, aren't they? <laughs> They're quite a messy part of the game. <laughs> yeah, they are, yeah. And they don't begin to go against other things. When else as an outfield player use the hands, it's kind of strange, isn't it? We throw it back in and it's football. and so Maybe that, but one I think like more is the time limit on set pieces. So you have a corner in futsal, you've got to be taken mm-hmm. within four seconds. Right. There's no messing about. There's a free kick that isn't, it's not, you know, fine, the referee might have to set a wall up. But from when he blows the whistle, you know, four seconds, there's a lot less messing. If you don't take your set piece within four seconds, the other team gets it. So there's a, there's a big rush to get from the kick-ins the same, put it down, one, right. two, three, four. If you're not taking it, other team get the kick. That would be 
good for the time wasting thing and the pace of the game. They also have a pass back limit uh, where the the keeper if the keeper passes to you, you can't pass it straight back to him. You know, it's, I think it's got to leave the half or hit the opposition player before it goes back to him. That I'm not sure I'd like that because that would kill all this sweeper keeper thing that's yeah. been built up, and we can't enjoy that. But anyway, and the last couple I've got on futsal, time is stopped for all stoppages. I'd love that. I'd love the. We've said it in other ones. I've, I've mentioned it in in the new rules and stuff. Stop the watch for that. Someone's injured. Clock stops. Ball goes out for a significant amount of time. It's in the stand. Stop the clock. Uh, and they have a foul five foul limit as well in futsal. Which um, so that <laughs> this wouldn't work. <laughs> but imagine a different amount twenty. Whatever, yeah. Or in a half ten. Once you reach your foul limit, after that every foul is a penalty. Now, I don't think it's going to happen now, but wow, would that be exciting? Monty would never play again, would they? I'm thinking of some professional players who <laughs> yeah. their careers would be, be in over dire day. trouble, yeah. Um, so, yeah, interesting ones there. What are your thoughts on the futsal ones then? Any of those transferable? I think the, the throw-ins one, we couldn't. <clears throat> Basically, you'd be having corners from everywhere on the pitch, wouldn't you? Yeah. If you did kick ins. Yeah. You would just, yeah, it would just be corners from different directions coming in. Um I don't know, I quite like throw-ins. It's just an extra element to the game. Mm. I think it'd be sad to see them go. It is interesting. It adds a bit of variety in there. I suppose the one thing you would say is that you couldn't, um, if there was a time limit then and you're doing kick-ins, uh, can, can you get your centre-halves up all the time? How, how, long, how long have you got to get your centre-halves <laughs> up, up the pitch? pitch. <laughs> I, do love it. I do love it though because the idea and of it... you take a short one. <laughs> how an, but how annoying is it that you, you probably take 30 seconds to take a corner during a game anyway oh, that's, maybe that's, that's a quick little bit at the long moment. that's pretty quick at the moment that is pretty quick yeah. at the moment maybe that's a bit long but at the end of the game especially when you're holding on to a lead and you know that they're going to take forever overtaking a corner it's yeah. it's quite a nice idea to have something saying right if you don't take it quickly they're going to have the chance to, to go and attack and get the goal maybe I'd, yeah. I'd bang my drum that I always bang though and say well the referee can still sort that out now he's still within his power to go you're time wasting here yellow card he can make his decision still can't you yeah moment. but the different situations that the referee's in isn't it and one there's no pressure for, to take a corner because you're in the middle of the game and the scores are level at another there is pressure because one team are one goal down and there's only two minutes left to play but that's fine then if you took if you took a minute over your corner in the 25th minute then don't complain that someone else is taking a minute over their corner in the 93rd minute if you're a strong referee for me you can stand up to that and go, listen, lads, they're taking I'd the love same. To see you or... justify that argument for Liverpool, the one down with a minute to play. I think one of the problems with the whole the idea I'm liking at the pro game, it works in futsal because you're indoors yeah. and the ball's not going. I'm just thinking of some of our games where the ball's gone 40 yards <laughs> over the push and the referee's going, one, two, three, four, you've lost your corner. <laughs> It's on a motorway somewhere. You, you can play on now. It doesn't matter that their player's 40 yards away getting the ball. Um, I do like the, the pace of the game, Futsal, though. I do like that idea. The foul of it would be hilarious. Uh, but yeah, some interesting ones there in Futsal. Do you know what really got into my head in Futsal? I, I, I was watching um, the England Under-21s play and I sent a video to um, my FA mentor. Just a, a short little bit about them playing out from the back. And they were literally 10 yards within their own half, no pressure on the ball. And I sent him one saying, what stops the keeper coming out here? like futsal when the keeper just comes out and plays as an outfield player yeah, and it's just so risky yeah. thinking about it but my thought was to split the centre-backs as wide as possible and let the keeper do that in the middle there's no pressure on them but the keeper would be like 40 yards out of his goal but it's still coming into my head Manuel Neuer yes okay. <laughs> if it had gone well everyone would go wow genius it went wrong and it looked so bad <laughs> it looked so bad it's like what's he doing <laughs> well, I've seen oh, which, I can't think of the name of the team but there's a team in Germany at the moment and they're doing this thing where the centre-back centre 
just runs from centre back into midfield and disrupts like when the team the other team are trying to press him instead of like taking up a position and making right, space he sort of bombs straight into midfield to get oh, okay. to receive the ball so someone's got to follow him and it's it's quite chaotic but some brave stuff yeah I'm going to move us along because we've got so many sports to do I mean Monty do you want to bring in yours is yours are you looking at a sermon here <laughs> well, I, just, I think like with the, the, the thought was um, other sports and what we can learn from other sports in football and so uh, the major one for me is because it's a thing that's actually happened is the the influence that the American sports are having now on the top level of the game when you look at the American owners that have come in and the American attitude towards data analysis mm-hmm. you look at big clubs that are now being successful like Liverpool like Spurs there's a lot more as well across the continent who are now taking this on board and sort of whether you can monitor everything that you can monitor by metrics, whether it be transfers, whether it be coaching, it's just a huge influence that's, that's coming to the game and that's that's come from the American sports. Funny you should mention Liverpool. Do you know what? I'm, I know that you're trying to say it's because uh, I'm not objective on this, but that it's... Total coincidence. <laughs> Massive. But it is genuinely... They're, they're the ones who've probably gone all in on it more than anything. When you've got like... The, the director of research at Liverpool, he's got like uh, he's got a directorate in in things like theoretical physics. They've got people from CERN who are building like statistical models of how the ball moves around the pitch and how you can get advantages from that. And I think a lot of that's come from the likes of basketball, um, baseball, American football, things like that. And I think one of the interesting things for that for our podcast is even though we, as grassroots coaches, we don't have access to those sort of huge banks of data and, you know, huge uh, arrays of uh, numbers, it's it's how that can affect our thinking. Because I think even at a grassroots level now, you look at the emergence of things like expected goals and chance quality, even as a grassroots coach, you can be thinking, well, if the big clubs are looking at that, what are we doing about that? Because I think last season I was looking at that more okay. of... What are the quality of the chances we're creating? Where are we shooting from? Things like that. Um, and even there's quite a big focus on set pieces. I think a lot of the, the, the guys who've come into it from American sports look and go, you're not maximising these opportunities. They, they probably look at it as like in gridiron when they snap and everyone sort of runs their patterns and you've got blockers and runners. You watch a modern set piece now. It's exact. It's almost like a gridiron snap where people are runners, people are blockers. Yeah. You've got your path that you're running, and then you're meant to get the ball. Is it Liverpool that have got the full-time throwing coach? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, but I think Liverpool get a lot of the focus because they're a popular club and they're in the, the media a lot. But there's a lot of other clubs that have been doing this this uh, sort of thing. Like if you look at it in Norway, Mitchelland, and the guy who was involved with that also was uh, sporting director or something at Brentford. And they did the same sort of thing. They're looking at they look at metrics, so almost like the money ball approach of can we can we can we buy players that other people aren't appreciating, mm. and where can we get these little advantages? I think with regards to set pieces, he the guy I think is called Ted Ted Knudsen or something like that. He runs a, he runs yeah. a, a yeah, um, him on an account called yeah. Statsbomb, which is that's another really good podcast. If any of this interests you, I'd, I'd advise you to listen to that. It's good, and they said that. Set piece wise, um, you can add 10, 15 goals to a season through set pieces, and that's what they managed to do there. And that's, you know, 
it's a huge amount of yeah. goals over the course of a season. I mean, we you're it's like having about, a fifteen goal striker. Yeah, absolutely. And with the grassroots, we haven't got the facilities, uh, the technological ability to get yeah the the depth. But we we use it all the time. You think about it, we'll we'll say oh we win a lot of headers on the front post from that player, passing to that player. So we do it more. You might not have a quantitative way of showing it. Or you might say we scored three goals, but we've this season we've regularly said, "Oh, we're creating loads of chances doing this way." So we did more of that way, didn't we? And yeah. We created more chances. Um, so I think we do use that. And Monty made a lot of matches there. Uh, mentioned Moneyball. If you haven't seen it, it's a fantastic film, isn't it? And it's this. It's based on a true story. And this idea, yeah, just pure analysis of data and looking at what a player can bring to a team that other people don't see. It's, it's fantastic, isn't it? And was it is it Brentford? Am I right in thinking Brentford? Yeah. Chat there. What was it called? I can't remember what the um, the owner's called, but he comes. I think he comes out of sports betting as well. So that's again, that's uh, um, these are people who will, they look at the whole game and they just think, what isn't? What is the thing that other people aren't looking at? Yeah. Where, where can we get an advantage that other people aren't seeing? It? And that's obviously like where they see the the set pieces and things like that. Where they're going. This is an underappreciated side of the game. I think they they come at it as well sometimes as not football men. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me if they're from the betting industry because obviously they would need to have the knowledge behind them to offer the best odds on someone scoring a, a set piece goal so if someone's strong on that they need to understand why they're strong on it and give less money out for, for I'm talking about an industry I don't really well but do you know what I mean it you know, wouldn't surprise me that they're yeah, from but, that industry because they need the knowledge behind them to say what works and what doesn't yeah the, the, the core belief behind it is what is being undervalued here that's you know that when they look at prices for things and they're saying well that's that's undervalued so we can you know we think that that's more likely or less likely they're looking at football and going that hasn't been valued properly that hasn't been valued properly and then on players what are the what are the you know the things that people aren't appreciating mm-hmm. that's where and it, it when it, when we're talking about what can football learn you can just see it sort of seeping into football now with you know expected goals non-penalty goals just sort of terms that are just slowly becoming more common in the game and that's the really basic stuff like the, the stuff under the bonnet that they're doing that we don't really know about. There's some really sort of high-tech stuff going on that's quite interesting. Do you remember the, the small um, visual I showed you at the start of last season when I documented our first, I think it was either 18, 20 goals yeah. for the reserves and just mm-hmm. where the ball came from and where the ball was scored Right. Um, just for our first 20 goals and it showed me that I think 15 of those were scored from in the box and what that allowed me to do was when we went into our shooting session and say if the players were taking shots from creative angles and distances it allowed me to say look 15 of our 20 goals have come from this area yeah here yeah. therefore let's work on focusing it's obviously working for us let's work on yeah. focusing that for, for this session because you've got the you've got the confirmation bias as well of uh, when you see a player score from 25 yards if you see someone thunder a ball into the net from 25 yards and you think oh that's brilliant it's the, you know, the Andros Townsend principle of he's great at scoring goals like that and you're not thinking of the 25 times where he's broken an attack down by having a shot and it's gone over the bar. Would yeah. you be better 25 times of trying to work a better quality chance? Yeah. And you, even on the grassroots level, you, you can take those principles and talk to your players about it and say, do you want to be shooting from that range? 
if you're good at it, maybe you do. Maybe you get, you know, your you player who's good at that, you let him do it. But yeah, do we like all want it. to be shooting from that range or do we want to try and work better quality chances? I don't want to shoot from that range. <laughs> Nobody wants you to shoot from that range, James. <laughs> <laughs> it's even the case with free kicks and stuff, isn't it, as well? Because remember the whole Roberto Carlos did that free kick? Yeah. Wow, he's amazing. How many times did he yep. copy that? And how many times did he boost it? It went all over them. Ronaldo had his little way yeah. of doing it, which did have more success. But still, apart from with Beckham, who just seemed to consistently put it in, how many of them are actually you know, mm-hmm. consistently scoring? And the whole process building up, the way he stands, the way he approaches, oh, here we go again. But not many goals, you're right. And so what would create more goals? I mean, some people have been doing like this. I know City do a lot of the short corners because they say... Statistically, we're not going to score many long corners because of the makeup of our team. Yeah. We're going to do it short because we're going to back ourselves to do to beat you in the final third. Yeah. So there's so much we could say on that, but would probably <clears throat> not do justice to other ideas. But staying in America, um, a few I've just written down. Where one is actually from football MLS, but I'm pretty sure American football does this. You know the draft picks. Oh, I just yeah. do like the idea of the way the team that comes top gets the last pick, don't they? Of the college players coming through yeah. and there's something kind of leveling playing field kind of vibe to that I don't and, and it links to another one of mine which is the collegiate system over there in all sports so it's the student athlete is really valued over there and people go and yeah there's thousands of go and watch the games uh, and they're the players for the future and you compare that to our youth setup where it's much more on the undercurrent it just makes you think if you had a, an improved collegiate system in the game over here and then you had this idea that they were into a draft and whoever came bottom of the table gets first pick. It's it's interesting idea to me that. Um, and then it links into wage caps as well. And they have, I'm pretty sure they have homegrown rules as well in the in the MLS. And a, a very quite a strict wage cap which they're trying to stick to. And they'll have a few big names, but then the rest will be local players. I can see how I know MLS is football. I'm not, <laughs> but it's a different way of doing it than we've ever done over here. Hmm. So are those any ways? And it kind of shoehorns me onto then to, to rugby as well, just this wage caps thing. So any any thoughts on those guys, your draft picks, your wage caps, your collegiate student athlete? I think the wage caps are trying to be handled by financial fair play, aren't they, um, with teams? Hmm. Whether that's working or not, who knows, because teams are getting fined left, right and centre for breaking those rules. But I think that's that's the idea of bringing that in, is to, yeah. is to try and put a cap on having the... Who were, who were the NBA team that were like the all-stars and they just had all the best players and so Harlem Globe Harlem Globe tried to try and stop someone from doing that mm. I think Real Madrid are doing it at the moment the same yeah. <laughs> Galacticos I think it's difficult isn't it like uh, like you say in there Stokes is you've now got a situation where teams are trying to pay for staff or pay for certain parts of the organisation from another another part of the company or it might not be yeah. it might not even you know you've got whole states involved now funding company uh, funding football clubs so it, it's so hard that you know it, it requires top lawyers top accountants and the people who are going to try and break the rules are always going to be able to get better accountants and better and better lawyers. It happens so in grassroots, though, doesn't it? Like we've we're in the league where you are not allowed contract players, but we know that some teams get around that by having bonuses or things like that for for people. So mm. it happens even in at our level of football. Yeah, I think it, it's hard. It's hard to to get that um, to get that done, isn't it? Especially. Th- the US is an interesting one, isn't it? Because they're used to that system in all their sports. They're used to yeah. having that system where it feels it feels totally alien to us, in a strange sort of way. Like America is the most capitalist society in the world, and then they've gone for this this system where it's like 
we're all in it together as one yeah. as one big business enterprise and we all look after each other and stuff. It's, it's very strange. It started to happen here because just from speaking to coaches on the course recently was the idea like local clubs to us, like Stockport County and, and other clubs are doing um, uh, B-Tech sports, you know, diplomas and stuff. So you go to college and you do your training and then you do some education. So your acad- academic yeah. side keeps going. So I think it is starting to build that, but it'll come via the professional clubs, not the colleges, won't it? The pro clubs saying, right, we'll put you through your thing at this school. So it won't quite be the same. I think the big clubs will just dominate it again and United and City and Liverpool and all these will have loads of schools under their remit. Do we know, just on the college system, because I love the fact that America gets so much support for the for the collegiate system over there, do we know what kind of contracts those lads are on? Because I'm just thinking one of the pet peeves I have is obviously an 18-year-old comes through like a Hudson, a Doyle, a Rashford, and they're on Megabucks already. Um is that the same over there in the American game, do we know? So, I mean, based just on the stuff I've seen on it, I think aren't by that point, isn't that when they get the contract they were that age? Is it? You know, 18. I presume the student athlete powers are 16 to 18, but I'm thinking college, but no, you go to uni, don't you? And it must be 18 to 21. So I don't know how they, the... I mean, they must go for a massive jump if they don't from having nothing to having yeah. you 15 million a year contracts. and Yeah. It's, it's just crazy for this crazy world, isn't it? And then on the, I mean, they've tried to introduce the under twenty three teams to the. Um, is it well, you, that's Central where you've got lower league clubs against youth teams from the big clubs. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they've tried to do that to get them, I think, a little bit more visibility mm. for those teams and a little bit more support, which I think is a nice idea. But it's it's bummed, doesn't it? With attendance, yeah, there's just nobody with it. turns just, up to watch those games, just, even though you're having like your Liverpool under twenty threes are playing Cambridge. It's still only attracting 400 people to go down and watch it because they don't see it as a... I think they resent it as well, some of the lower league clubs. That, you know, they've got these teams who've got everything and now they're putting their, you know, their youth team in against you. Yeah. It's almost a bit of a slap in the face to them, isn't it, sometimes? It's like that was one of the trophies that we can't win. When I say we, I'm talking the Premier Division teams yeah. and the people that follow them and all of a sudden, oh, I'll have a bit of that as well. It's, I think they weren't happy either. There were rules, weren't there, that you were you were only allowed to rotate a certain amount of pit, a certain amount of players. So you were massively increasing the workload on these teams. Right. They were getting fined for putting uh, right, youngsters yeah. in and things like that. I think. So don't know that much about it. There's probably fans of uh, and followers of teams at that level who are listening to this and thinking, "Oh no, you've you've missed out this point. You've missed out that." But I think there were quite a lot of issues that they weren't pleased about. I've got a few I'd like to mention to you guys on cricket. Well, this is a bit of a funny one. You know, the, the power plays. Yeah. I can imagine is when it's just a certain tournament or just for the sheer fun of watching it imagine like a power play where at a certain <laughs> point you either remove players or you have to have so many players in your own half or whatever I can see that being hilarious I don't think it should happen but it just <laughs> made me laugh the thought of it you could like it's you know Tottenham's power play you're like oh no everyone in the box um, but a more serious one the decision reviews you know we have those in VAR but you know how they in cricket you can also do with your team review it I do like the idea of that the captain in each half has one review and if it's so the referee the VAR say no but a captain could review something and go I want that reviewed yeah. and in each half or whether it'd go hand in hand with VAR I do like that idea the players choose it if you watch in tennis too they'll be fuming I want a review they review it and they end up being wrong and it takes all the anger out of it they're like okay Right, so whether that's something I don't know, and then my last thing with cricket for for my foot, the variations, the twenty twenty game, the test game, the one day game, they're so different, and there's no time to do this. But how much would we love to see? 
our favourite players, the best players in a five-a-side tournament. Yeah. Oh, It'd be yeah. fascinating, wouldn't it? You know, Barcelona's five-a-side, Liverpool's five-a-side team. It'd be absolutely brilliant. It was just a weekend here and there, seven-a-side versions of it. Can we do a podcast Brilliant. on that? I would like that topic. Has <laughs> Eric Cantona still got his tanker in the middle of the ocean where, where Knight played three on three? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How good was that advert? Brilliant. Very good. Um, anyone got any other ones to throw in there? I've got a few others on my list, but uh, if you've got any other ones, do you want me just to keep going? You talk, we talk well, I'm just going to say with the cricket one there, it's, it was um, the idea of the review. I think that was uh, there was a bit more momentum behind it probably before VAR came in wasn't there now that VAR's in it's replaced it almost it's almost yeah it's almost everything that's important is getting reviewed at Do you know all what times like in theory that's different in the cricket review and the um, Formula One because um, you can hear that and the rugby is that you can hear the people making the decisions which you can't yet do with VAR yeah. so cricket you can hear the guy saying can I have that yep yeah, I can see it's come off the bat and then the, yeah. the, the fan watching it goes, right, yeah, I'm listening to him and I'm, I'm understanding now what he's saying. Football the same. If they could mm. say, right, his foot's in an offside position there and by the rule of the law, that means he's offside. I think, again, that takes away the anger. It would help, yeah, because even recent games I've watched, yeah, exactly that way, you're going, but how have they made that decision? And you're still annoyed. You're going, yeah. but that player was involved with play, for example, and they've decided they're not. And you'd like to hear an expert going, they're not involved with play and at least you know. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that could work, couldn't it? It'd also be the added comedy element of, um, I think, was it Watson from Australia who constantly wasted uh, reviews when he was out LBW? So we just kept reviewing it. He was wrong. He had to walk. He wasted, he wasted one of the team's reviews. It'd be nice to see who that would be in football. He just constantly yeah. wasted the yeah. review on something that yeah. was obviously wrong. Uh, I put on athletics because I really love watching athletics, the international anyway. And he just with that, as well as rules here, just, I love watching it for the the fact that they're not got the massive paychecks out of it, and you see when they're doing it, they're doing it because they love their sport, and it's something about the way they train, the way they're coached, the way they perform, the way when they represent the country, they're in tears to represent their country. It means so much. I just don't know how whether is it possible to have that with massive paychecks. There's just something I heard about in boxing recently when they said it's hard to keep doing the hill sprints when you're wearing a silk dressing gown. <laughs> you know, saying about losing your hunger yeah. when your money yeah, yeah, yeah. is that high, is it still in you? I think the more money you throw at something, those rivals increase, don't they? I mean, Athletics has got the Diamond League and stuff like that. There's more money on the show, I suppose. And you do see some of those middle distance ones where they're fighting each other down the line. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but I just love their attitude. I feel like there's been a little bit of that coming in, though, in, uh, especially the last few years. I think it's been quite refreshing where you look at some of the top level coaches like Guardiola, Pochettino, Klopp, and they've got that very sort of collegiate sort of there's a lot of respect yeah they're you know they don't tear each other down almost for the last two seasons all all you hear from them is how great the other teams are you know there's a lot of there's a huge amount of respect there even when when uh, the Champions League final you've got them congratulating each other and making jokes about it and oh we'll, we'll go again next season and we'll test each other and we'll push each other and there is I think you know that's been quite nice I think for the last few years I feel it feels like there's a more I don't know, more respectful coaching atmosphere over the last couple of seasons. It'll probably change Clock's again. Been a good It'll change. probably change again, but I, mm. I've quite liked that, the respect of the coaching, of the art, of the process. Did you see the story with him and Sarri, yeah. where they were playing, it was 1-1, I think, between Chelsea and Liverpool, and Sarri said, Klopp looked over at me and he was smiling. And I was like, what are you smiling for? And Klopp said, are you not having fun? And he was like, yeah, I am. And they were both like, it's, it's an intense game out on the pitch. It's 1-1 and he's got a big beaming smile on his face because he's just enjoying it. I don't really like that. And I agree. And do you think 
Do you think that's kind of borne out the to the coaches' union almost? They're having to get now because their jobs are so short term in many ways. Uh, how long has it been on where a premier manager just sacked within you know, so many four four defeats away from a defeat you know, from a, mm, losing your yeah. job? Well, I wonder where there's a little bit of that where it's almost like well, there's no point in being at this level of stress. Let's have a laugh. We're in this coaches' union together. I might get sacked. You know, Klopp this year. People were ringing in when the game sacked. Game sacked. I remember early in the season because they lost a game. Or no, they hadn't. Sorry, they hadn't lost a game. They had they had dropped points in somewhere. And I remember hearing it, thinking, "What? I would love you to sack him because I'm a United fan and he's doing my editing because he's so good." <laughs> so yeah, maybe there is a bit of that, and it's it's nice to see, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think one of the ones I wanted to mention is going back to America slightly. It's very much like the futsal one. Just want to throw to you both because this is a practical idea one. I don't like it, but basketball, um, I don't like this rule, this idea that they have a time limit on attacks. There's a clock running oh, right. to when she get the ball. But again, you can imagine how entertaining that would be. The yeah, 20 second clock starts and they've got the ball. There'd be no just passing for the passing sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another one on that, which again would be very entertaining half court rule the, the rule you know the rule once you go out your own half for yeah. basketball you can't go back yeah. in there again so the idea you could play forward and then play all the way back to your keeper would go away you, you basically half the pitch size once you go into there you know <laughs> I don't like that a bit personally but I could see it be very entertaining there's you, you start triggering ideas don't you of how you would coach that if those rules <laughs> yeah. came in place so obviously the, the when you were talking about the, the amount of time you've got for attack just tell everyone to drop wouldn't you if you've got time but if you tell everyone to drop do they get in that space quicker and therefore have they got more time in the final third and then for the half court one as soon as you entered that half you'd just be pressed wouldn't you yeah. everyone would be sat there waiting for you to enter yeah. the half come so on, that come you on. Can, yeah exactly you've <laughs> lost you half the space to turn out to the, the downside to that one though though from that and the reason I'm not a massive fan of basketball is just it's so orientated in the attacking team yeah. and so every defence near every defence they go to zonal don't they they sit around the key yeah. and say come because you've got to attack within a certain amount of time you've got to shoot and that would be kind of a shame wouldn't it if it became so attack that end now you attack that end now you attack that end you get, yeah you get a lot of points but the points become less important almost when it's 100 and something to 100 do you know what I mean well, uh, I one of the great one of the great benefits of football is the amount of variation isn't it that you can be a team that attacks yeah. quick you can be a team that attacks slow you can be a team that wants the ball you can be a team that doesn't want the ball yeah um, we've I mean we've done sessions before haven't we where you've got to uh, to improve counter-attacking we've yeah. done grassroots sessions where you have to attack within so many passes or within yeah. so much time and it it does get frantic, doesn't it? You realise yeah. once you put that time pressure on people, their brains just seem to melt. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> and that's, they just they just start wellying it. That's good training then, because then when they go into the eighty fifth minute and yeah. they know what kind of style they need to do, and hopefully they're good enough to make that switch. Yeah, I've got a couple from hockey for you. Again, not a sport that I'm a mad fan on, uh, but self taken free kicks was apparently brought in at some point. I'm not sure when. It's the idea that you know you just spot it and then you could pass it, or you can actually just dribble it. Oh, right. that'd be interesting and then one I definitely quite like the idea is you know the penalties have you seen where they do them in hockey Yeah. where they just run from is it around the halfway line but it could be less than that Did it in it? Ice hockey as well. and you've got is it 10 seconds to score within it, certainly quite interesting it'd be a, a, an interesting takeaway from the penalties wouldn't it where the penalties now with this new rule of the keeper having to be on the line it's so in the attacker's favour seeing like you know Ronaldo to run up from the halfway would be fascinating wouldn't it Does didn't the, the MLS do those types of penalties yeah, years they ago did. they tried yeah. it didn't they yeah I heard that they're uh, 
They're not going to use VAR though on the keeper's foot thing. That's right, they've changed their mind. Basically, they? they've said, I think they've probably just looked at it and gone, every single penalty will have to be retaken. So once <laughs> it, once again, here's the rule. Oh, well, just do it sometimes or don't do it other times. And you know, it's a bit fluffy, isn't it's it? It's not been thought through, no. is it? That? Um, my last one for me for, is, is on rugby. I've mentioned it already with the wage caps. And we've mentioned this before with dissent and, 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 and all that kind of thing. The conduct between ref. Uh, towards the ref and between the fans I envy that in football the fact that there can be a game where they're going at it and the fans can sit amongst each other that's I know it's, it's, that's far deeper than just be nice to each other it's it's part of that culture of that sport I know that but it's, I envy it I envy it it's just so sad when you see we can't sit with each other we're sat here now we've got an Aston Villa fan Liverpool fan a United fan and we hate each other for the reason. <laughs> no, we're all good friends, and we could totally disagree with each other, can't we? But we're not going to fight about it because I'd win. <laughs> but you know, it's just so sad, isn't it? I hate how tribal it gets. I hate it, and rugby seems to just not have that. Uh, so the conduct of that, the way they speak to the ref, massive six foot six guy, I've been bulldozed into somebody they're absolutely fuming they probably punched each other and the referee will go come here and they just stand there (laughs) like a a rock violet puppy that's been taught and they're panting and they just listen don't they even it's the last minute of the World Cup they listen no dissent oh I envy that bearing in mind though that their valve for getting rid of that aggression is punching each other in the face (laughs) in the scrum so you know they do have an outlet for that aggression that isn't in football (laughs) Uh, here's an interesting one I want to throw at you you know the line outs in rugby Um, um, the attacking team choose, don't they? The team with possession choose how many in the line out. So if they put six in, you've got to put six in to mirror oh. it. So I thought, wouldn't it be interesting one on corners, for example, or free kicks, if the attacking team say, we're putting six in the box for this, you can put six. I'm putting one in the box for this. Imagine that. It's like, right, you've got market. <laughs> that would be amazing, a one-on-one corner. Wouldn't it? Virgil van Dijk. That would be amazing. <laughs> van Dijk Good and luck. Harry Maguire. <laughs> bump. <laughs> that would be amazing. So or if you had two good ones, yeah. Put two and two in the penalty. Oh, I love that idea. It'd be interesting, wouldn't it? I love that, that idea. Right, well, we'll see if I can push that one then. <laughs> Maybe they could throw it into a tournament and then take it out if it doesn't work. <laughs> We're getting more towards a footballing circus here, aren't we? <laughs> 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 That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Uh, so yeah, they're, they're, they're most of the ones I've thought of just from sitting there and writing away. But um... can we do an edge of play session on that? <laughs> yeah. I think that's a really good. It might be a decent. I think one, that's yeah. a really good practice to do. Start with one on ones, then two on twos, then three on threes, and then open yeah. up to give them the the you know the the attacking team the choice. How many players do you want to put in there? Yeah, because if you're playing against a team that have got a great some half, you know he's going to beat your main header of the ball. You say right, no, we're going to flood the area. We're going to say this many, you know, yeah. eight or whatever. You could, you could see it would be interesting, couldn't you? But every card would be be right, wouldn't it? The responsibility you would yeah. you'd have is crazy. You could even brilliant. you could even make it a decision making thing where you've got your squad of five and you take turns in putting one up. Yeah. So you go first, you put your man up, they get to choose who goes against it. Yeah, Next time put... you go, you get to choose who to put against it. Yeah. Interesting. It, imagine if it was at random as well though. So imagine if you had one of your players who, who was amazing in the air one of your players who Give wasn't a strong a point but then you could coach alright how do you jump with them or how do you put them off or how do you do yeah, all these like kind it. of things or like how it. do you take advantage if that's your advantage love that idea look at his eyes he's, I know. he's definitely doing this session isn't he <laughs> <laughs> uh, any more to add folks any more to add from loads of ideas there that we could enter into football Monty any more from your end probably just uh, to wrap it up a little bit and 
is the idea of the football, whatever sort of whatever sport you you're coaching, you can learn from any other sport. You know, the just having that intellectual curiosity to see where what what someone else is doing in some other sport and how you can bring it in. You know, the likes of um, Pep Guardiola with his water polo coach mm, on his team, yeah, who was yeah. talking about penalties because he was the best penalty taker in the water polo team. And yeah. I can't tell you how to take a penalty, but he can. Just this, the, the idea that like with a lot of things like fitness and uh, psychology, things like that, there's, yeah. there's so much to learn from other sports. With, with so many different sports pushing barriers in different ways, you can always find new things, can't you, and learn things that you can apply. Even at a grassroots level, there's things you can apply. Yeah. That's what I love with, with coaching too, because we're, we're primarily football coaches. Coach other sports as well. It's when you pick the brains of someone else, speak to Hutch, for example, athletics and his take on how we should prepare the lads in pre season. It's interesting, isn't it? We wouldn't have done it that way, but he did it that way and it, it worked, didn't it? Did the yeah. job. It, it made us all sick. <laughs> it was, but yeah, I think that's a lovely idea, isn't it? And that's, I mean, this is going to plug Edge of Play because that's what me and Stokesy want to do with Edge of Play. We go beyond football coaches working together. But I love the idea that somehow a swim coach could be giving you information that would help a player recover from a football injury because you go, oh, no, you try this, we do this with the swimmers. Oh, okay, that's interesting. You can see how that would really, really throw out there so many new ideas. Yeah. Do you remember when we did the boxing session as well? Yeah. And it, box, it was all around the just short, yeah. sharp bursts because boxing's done in three-minute rounds. Yeah. But again, in football, that's going to help you if you've got a, a flashpoint in a game and you need that... No, you can punch him. No, no, you, you, you need that good uppercut. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, need that, but you need that burst of energy and to be able to recover and yeah. then go burst of energy yeah. again and recover and, you know, they can bring that into it. Right, well, all sorts of that. We'd again welcome you guys getting in touch if you heard this and you like ideas, you don't like ideas, or you have any other ideas that football uh, can learn from other sports. Uh, let us know, get in touch. We've, we've got many ways you can access these podcasts on Podbean, via iTunes, you can go on our forum page, you can go on our website. Uh, we'll share it on social media as well. If you're enjoying them, uh, share them for us, like them, subscribe, and, and push them out there to other people. And, and we hope to get the conversation going with you all and we look forward to coming back to you very soon with podcast number six so thank you very much cheers guys enjoyed that yeah thank you everyone goodbye goodbye